On this week's show, I'm going to talk to a bloke who went to school with Osama Bin Laden. Well, what a week it's been. The lockdown rules were relaxed. Are you confused about what you can and you can't do? I'll check in with the multi-award winning broadcaster and former presenter of Newsnight, Gavin Esler, and get his take on Boris's address to the nation on Sunday. It's the Pod 20 with me, Graham Mack. I'll be counting down the top 20 podcasts right now based on downloads and your recommendations at thepodcastradio.co.uk. My special guests this week are Connie Huck and Liz Owens. Hello, I'm Connie Huck, and this is my extremely cerebral and smart, intelligent friend, Liz Owens. Hey, Liz, do you know how the brain works? Sort of. Or what drug is most harmful? Well, do you know what Bitcoin is? No. Well, we're going to find out all that and more with the help of some experts on our brand new podcast. It's called Thinking Out Loud. Thinking Out Loud? Yeah. Each episode, we pick one big topic like drugs or politics or the brain. And we talk about what we know or what we reckon we know before getting a real life expert to answer our questions, fix our mistakes and teach us some interesting facts. Sounds like a cross between your favourite class at school and a really interesting chat down the pub. Exactly. That's it. Thinking Out Loud on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into the countdown. And at number 20, Table Manners with Jesse Ware. Jesse Ware hosts a podcast about food and family and the beautiful art of having a chat. Direct from her own dinner table with a little bit of help from her chef, which is her mom. Good podcast, this one. It's number 20, Table Manners with Jesse Ware. At 19, True Spies. Hayley Atwell narrates true stories from the real spies behind the world's greatest espionage operations. Straight in at 18 this week, Ross Kemp and the Kempcast. Ross has been talking to some incredible people with engaging stories to tell. Back to the chart in a bit at the end of a week when Boris announced he was relaxing the rules on lockdown. Let's check in with multi-award winning journalist and broadcaster and former presenter of Newsnight, Gavin Esler. You don't think much of Boris's speech from last Sunday night. Why is that? He seemed to have two versions of what we should do. And they were both in the same speech. You know, <laughs> you, you can go to work, but you can't go to public transport. You can go to work if you, if you can't work at home. Dentists can't work at home. Hairdressers can't work at home. I mean, it's just, it was just, I, I, I leave it to everybody to, to, to look through it. But it was an absolute muddle. And the sort of banging on the desks and the bluster doesn't work, I'm afraid. And we need more than that. And, and also, one, just one other thing. How slow have we been? If the government said, look, we were slow off the mark. This has been very difficult. I personally feel sorry for Matt Hancock. I mean, he's sure he's made, made mistakes, but he's under tremendous, tremendous pressure. And he's not entirely helped by the Prime Minister. Yeah, I was in New Zealand. Uh, I arrived there on the 14th of March, and two days later, all overseas visitors had to quarantine for two weeks. <laughs> we still haven't done it. But now we are quarantining people coming to our country when we have got the worst record, it would appear, in Western Europe, when we are an exporter. <laughs> of coronavirus, not an importer. I mean, yeah. you know, we could go through a whole lot of things. What does anger me, actually, is uh, as someone whose life was saved by the NHS, I've got a, a, a daughter whose life was saved by the NHS. We've all got friends whose life was saved by the NHS. I've got friends who are doctors and nurses and others. Uh, and the, the, the cleaners and everybody in the NHS does a really hard job. But you could say these are lions led by donkeys. 
I'm sorry, they've been put into positions where, unfortunately, health workers are at risk because they are doing the job that we want them to do, which is to treat, the, treat us when we're sick. And that is disgraceful. Gavin Esler, who hosts a great new podcast called The Big Steel, which is about massive corruption at the Kremlin. He'll be back to tell us all about that in a few weeks' time, right here on the Pod 20 on Podcast Radio. This week's guests are Connie Hook and Liz Owens, who've got a new podcast out. It's called Thinking Out Loud, and thanks to the magic of Zoom, we can hear from them now. What podcasts are you listening to? Liz, first. I'm a bit all over the place, but I absolutely love, and it's not at all like ours, but Dear Joan and Jerrica. What's that one? That's the one. Have you not heard it? Oh, it's absolute filth. It's it's completely (laughs) ridiculous. And it's... Well, what's the lady? She's from... Connie, you'll know. What's her name? The lady from Gavin and Stacey and she plays the other the friends Joe Pet no anyway but it's a, it's basically a agony aunt two sort of middle class agony aunts who are very like into husband it's all about the men and it's it's just stupid it's at, but and it's really off like not appropriate but it's really good fun so I love that but actually me and Connie bonded over a podcast initially and that was that Adnan Saeed serial wasn't it Con? Yes I said because Liz loves her true crime I said you'll love this it will get you into podcasts and and you did didn't you? Yeah it was my first ever podcast I listened to and I loved it so anything serial yeah wasn't it amazing did you listen to S-Town as well? Yeah I did it's much. Yeah, I, I, the thing I found with both of them, though, and it might be a good thing or not, it was about the story because neither of them actually went anywhere. They didn't actually properly end. Mm. True crime can be quite unfulfilling because lots of the cases are sort of ongoing or they're under appeal and you want to, you know, and you don't ever know the ending necessarily because it's someone's word against another person's, you know, word. Yeah. And so it's, a, it's kind of quite unsatisfying in many ways Connie Hock and Liz Owens find out all about their podcast and find out where it is on the chart soon it's called Thinking Out Loud back to the chart number 17 Desert Island Discs the latest castaway is the Poet Laureate Simon Armitage and if you like poetry you'll love the episode from last month when the castaway was John Cooper Clark number 16 off Menu with Ed Gamble and James Acaster. The two comedians invite guests to their magical restaurant to choose their favourite starter, main course, side dish, dessert and drink. Number 15 is Earworm from Dom Jolly. Listen to Dom make phone calls to call centres, helplines and even radio call-in shows. No one's safe. Dom is a friend of the show. He was made famous by Trigger Happy TV on Channel 4. After that, Dom, you went to the BBC, but it didn't work out, did it? I I went to the BBC and I started making this show called 100 Things Do Before You Die. And the idea was, it was like one of those shows, but it was like the wrong person had been given the show. So instead of parachute jumping, I'd lock myself in a fridge and see whether the light went out when the door closed. It was like a weird thing. And we started making it, and I was really chuffed with it. It was for BBC Two. And I pitched this at Channel 4 before I left, and they liked it. All the people at Channel 4 left and went to Channel 5. And I'm halfway through making the show. I opened The Guardian, and uh, it said, Channel 5 September list, 100 things to do before you die. And the f***ers had just nicked it totally, and they put it out for mine. So I had to go to BBC Two and say, you know what? 
they've nicked it and they've done it. So I, I have to cancel. And we were halfway through the show and they said, well, just carry on. And I said, no, they've done it already. And it's different. Anyway, it was a nightmare. So that got me a reputation at the BBC for being tricky. So I had to sort of stop. And then I launched BBC Three with a fake chat show. And I called it This Is Don Johnny. But I was wearing glasses. And it was so obvious to me that it wasn't me. But everyone, I wanted 20% of the people to watch it to think, oh, my God, Don Jolly's a <laughs> And the other 80% to get the joke. As it was, I think 80% of people watched it and went, God, he's a Because, <laughs> you know, I was just, I was this sort of ego version of me. And I, it was it was clearly faked, but I don't know. Uh, but it had a lot of fun. Had lots of bands on it. I love it. I had The Cure on, The Water Boys, Ian Brown. I mean, everyone, Granddaddy. It was fantastic fun. And then I thought I'd better cash in my chips because I knew the BBC were like, what is this guy doing? So I got a show for BBC One. So I made a kind of international trigger happy called World Shut Your Mouth, which is still my favourite show. <laughs> and I kicked off each show. I thought it'd be really funny. I flew around the world in one trip to all the seven wonders of the world, the Great Wall of China, the pyramids, uh, the Taj Mahal, just to stand in front of it and wait for someone to come up. And I'd go, oh, Taj Mahal. And they'd go, yeah. And i go, well, that is shit. And that was it. That's all I did. And I thought that was the strongest, purest <laughs> beginning. And honestly, when I handed it into the BBC, I could see them just thinking, this man has to leave the BBC. <laughs> so that was it. Your autobiography, Here Comes the Clown, came out in 2015. Yeah. But 10 years before that, you did a spoof autobiography called Look at Me. Why did the parody one come first? It would seem like the natural breeze would do a normal one and then parody that. Because someone, because when Tregabby was at its height, someone came to me and offered me a stupid amount of money to write my autobiography. And I'd always said, you should never write. I mean, Martine McCutcheon was on her third volumes of her autobiography at the age of about 23. And I was like, you really shouldn't write an autobiography till you're 50, as far as I'm concerned. I think Britney Spears wrote one before she'd had sex. I mean, how interesting could that have been? Well, I mean, none of these people write their books anyway, for a start. But anyway, so I, so I, I, they offered me a silly amount of money. I couldn't turn it down. And I thought, great, I'll do it. And then the moment I'd accepted, I thought, oh, I can't. Like, it's, I hate these sort of books. So then I thought, I'll do a pastiche there were, there were a lot of shit autobiographies out at the time. And I thought, I'll write a pastiche one. And then I started writing and it just segued into this weird thing where it sort of is my life, but it's not really. It's like a, it's, you know, I, I mean, page two out of Talking Dogs. It's pretty obviously not my life, but people were like, is this real? But actually it was like, it was Lebanon and then a diplomat and stuff. And it went up to the moment I was famous, but in a sort of totally heightened it was though i was on acid i've no idea what that book is i'm quite proud of it actually now but it was weird and it absolutely so, died so you didn't murder your armenian nanny and you weren't raped by a tv weather girl and it wasn't covered up uh there are a couple of things in there that did happen i did end up in a weird flat in edinburgh with a guy that was a weather reporter and uh, was dancing with his pekingese i didn't get raped obviously but um there, there are a lot of weird bits in it that are true i did uh, there's a Peter Mandelson story in there that's pretty close, and there's weird stuff, yeah. According to Wikipedia, you went to the same school as Osama bin Laden. Is that bit true? That is true, yeah. And that is, I mean, I, I talk about that on my uh, tour that has been rescheduled, but um, I did a show where I went off, it was called Excellent Adventure, and I was supposed to drive into Syria, where I used to go as a kid from Lebanon. So I flew to Lebanon with a mate, and we were going to go on this road trip into Syria, but the director said, before we go be nice to see what it was like growing up in Lebanon. Let's go to your old school. So I went to my old school, which is called Brumana High School. 
And very weird, it's a Quaker school in the mountains above Beirut. And it was built by Quakers from Darlington in 1860. Like what they were doing there, I have no idea. But anyway, so I went there and I was filming in the in the grounds because I told I got a fixer and he'd said, yeah, yeah, we sorted it out. And this woman marches out, she's livid and she's the headmistress. And it turns out the fixer did what I would have done. He just took the money and f***ed off. He didn't ask anyone. So she had no idea what we were doing. So... She starts screaming at me, what are you doing here? And I go, I'm really sorry, we're making a documentary. And why? I go, well, because I went to school here. She goes, who gives a shit? So I was like, yeah, fair point. But I was like, to be honest, I think I'm probably one of your more famous alumni. And she looked at me and said, I don't think so. And I go, well, who's more? And she goes, Osama bin Laden. And I go, okay. <laughs> so then she panicked because it's a Quaker school. Can you imagine taking prospective parents around and going, uh, you know, Quakers are pacifists and saying, I don't know if you know about our most famous alumni, uh, Osama bin Laden. So they then denied it. And I tried to find a school photo of me and bin Laden because he was 16 and I was six. And this was 1974. Uh, so we were there together for a year. But obviously, I didn't know him. I didn't meet him. I, he didn't look like that at the time. The bin Ladens looked like the Partridge family back then. So, But yeah, I did. Right. So it's a shame you didn't get to know him because you could have maybe convinced him, you know, his life could have gone a different way. It's like these people who say that a time machine, they go back and kill baby Hitler or at least go back and tell him that his art was pretty good. You know, yeah. it could have changed the world. Yeah. So you or maybe it, I'd have joined Al Qaeda. Who knows? You could have gone the other way. Yes, it could. It, yeah, <laughs> it could have done. It's not good for me when I go to the States, though, because they look at my passport born in Beirut. Then they look it up online. It says trigger happy comedy terrorist went scored. <laughs> With Bin Laden, I've got visas from Iran, North Korea, Congo. It's 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 not it's not a pleasant thing when I go to America. Yeah, especially in an airport if you tell them you're there to shoot a pilot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dom Jolly's Earworm Podcast is at number 15. At number 14, No Such Thing as a Fish, a podcast from the QI offices. The writers of QI discuss the best things they've found out this week. At 13, The Adam Carolla Show, with the world's most downloaded daily podcast. At 12, Thinking Out Loud from Connie Hook and Liz Owens. Great podcast, this. They invite experts to answer questions that you've been too afraid to ask. Who's the podcast for, Connie? You know what? I always say that like, as people, we go around everyday life, and I don't know, maybe I'm alone in this, but there's always scenarios where you're bluffing it and blagging it when you're chatting to someone and they're saying, you know about such and such, <laughs> or you know nothing about such, you're just too embarrassed to say. I mean, sometimes people have said to me, have you seen, I don't know, such and such film? And I'm like, yep. And I'm thinking, no. But I feel too bad. And then I'm nodding along. I'm thinking, when do I actually come clean? Or will I get an out where I can change the subject? Or do I just go, oh, you're talking about such and such film. I thought you meant such and such You know, stuff like that. So it's for anybody that wants to go to a dinner party or something and be able to hold their own, but without having studied the subject in any more depth. Then it's like a sort of beginner's guide, essentially, but more fun than that. I remember Adam Carolla, American comedian, once saying on his podcast, he, he, he thought if it'd be great if you could do a course and you could just learn 30 seconds of something. So you could learn 30 seconds of piano. So if you walked past the piano, you could go, oh, excuse me. And you just do 30 seconds. That's all you know. That's it. And, and like, 
Yeah, wouldn't it be great to just have just the just little bits and people would think you're really super smart, but it's only 30 seconds of each subject. It's not a bad idea. Definitely. So there's a bit of that to it too. You should tell Adam Carolla. So you should let him know you finally found the answer. Absolutely. And at the end of each podcast, we say, what piece of information do you wish everyone knew about your subject? So there's a, everyone should go away finding something new out about it. It's called Thinking Out Loud. Go and search on your podcast app and listen and love and subscribe as well. We're getting into that mentality of going, please subscribe. Connie Hook and Liz Owens. At 11, the coronavirus newscast from the BBC. At 10, Radio Headspace from Andy Puddicombe and Cadence 13. Now, if you're into mindfulness or you've used the Headspace app on your phone, then Radio Headspace is the podcast for you. Number nine, Scarlet Moffat wants to believe. Conspiracy-obsessed Scarlet Moffat attempts to uncover the truth, but can she convince her non-believing boyfriend, Scott? Before we get into the top eight, let's zoom with journalist Piper Terrett from the lockdown lowdown. Piper, you want to know how I'm getting on in my quest to become a professional audiobook narrator? Well, I've been accepted to narrate my first audiobook. That's really good, Graham. So what is this one? Are you so allowed I've, to say? I've signed up for it. And last night I sent my, you have to send your first 15 minutes. You have to send, I've, I emailed the author and then you have to send your first 15 minutes for them to check. The author checks whether you've got the vibe right and the tech yeah. side, you know, they decide whether you've got the production right. So that was last night. So I'm just waiting to hear back. And if yeah. that's, that's on, I've got till the end of May to give them the nine and a half hours of oh finished audio. Well, it was an entire novel. Yeah, of course it would be. And it takes, you know, it takes me between three and four hours to get each hour down because yeah. I make so many mistakes. You have to go back, you have to edit, you have to go. Dialogue's the hard one. Just narrating a story is easy. When you get into that dialogue, it, but it's written as a novel. It's not written as, say, a play. Whereas in a play, you'd have the character's name first and maybe some direction before the, the dialogue. But in a book, it'll, you'll be reading it, and I'm, I'm trying to sight read it to do it as quick as possible. So it'll, it's, uh, it'll, go, um, it'll go something, I don't know, this isn't the dialogue, but it'll go something like, uh, I'll be reading along and, oh my God, what's this? Jack whispered. To go back and then go, oh my God, what was this? Jack whispered. You know, the dialogue's tricky. <laughs> Um, yeah and then do you have to do you do you know different voices so if it was a lady do you go oh jack oh well well i, I love you or something so so <laughs> i emailed the author and said you know look really looking forward to doing this book now i i can't tell you the title of it no, and, and they've down i've downloaded the manuscript and i've got the whole thing and i won't tell you the name of the author because that's not fair no. um but uh, it is quite a good book and it's it's number five in a series so i've got a bit of a red flag there what happened to the people that read the last four <laughs> what do you think they would have kept with them you think so, wouldn't you? And yeah. hopefully it's not four different people. I don't want this guy who's a guy who goes through narrators. Yeah, exactly. So Come I'm on. getting the feeling he might be high maintenance. Uh, I emailed the author and I said, you know, I'm really looking forward to this. I've been told to get in touch with you by ACX. This is the people who do the, the books and whatever. And, and he's come back to me with this. Now, he's given me an outline of the characters. 
So I won't give, I probably shouldn't give you the characters' names, all right? No. All right. So, so one of them, this, this fella is, and this is word for word what the author emailed me, an officer in the British Army during the reign of Queen Victoria. He's from Herefordshire, so may have a wee trace of English West Country to his voice, not who are, but he's the son of a minor landowner, but a touch. <laughs> Where does that what? leave me? Right, right. What accent is that? I'll read it to you again. Okay, he's he's fr- he's a he's a British arm. He's he's an officer, right? So of course he's gonna, right. if he's an officer, he's posh. Posh. Yeah. Yeah. But he's from Herefordshire, so may have a right. wee trace of English West Country. Now I don't know. I worked at BBC Hereford and Worcester, and they were oh. more like they were more like Midlanders to me than than West Country, Hereford, oh. not Somerset, yeah. Herefordshire. Right. So I'm not even sure where he's at with that. So he might have a bit of West Country to his Not who are, as he was the son of a minor landowner, but a touch. I mean, where the hell do you go with that? Oh, a touch of, not he was a touch of, a, he can either the guy's his father or not, but a touch of it, oh, I'd see what you mean. No, I did, I'll just do it in Scottish. Right, right. And, well, well, anyway, that, so that one freaked me out. The next one, <laughs> the next character from Glasgow, piece of cake. Right. Yeah. Piece of cake. Uh, and, it, and there's a battle scene. And, and, you know, so in the battle scene, you know, I'm reading out the Scotsman's dialect. It's, it's quite fun. Come and get it, you bastards! You know, it's just, I just went to full bully Connolly. I mean, it was just, it was actually quite fun, that bit. That sounds a lot of fun. Yeah. And then there's another one who's, he's enigmatic with an educated accent. Okay. Okay. Then you've got another two who are soldiers. Rural English from Worcestershire, so broader than Jack. Who is the the main one? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got Mary, who is what they called Eurasian, half Indian, half British. Now, how do I do that one without sounding racist? No idea, absolutely. Really? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> really half British, <laughs> yeah. half Indian? Yeah. So the way I decided to do it was, like the main one, the, 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 the officer, the book's about the main guy, right? The yeah. British officer, the, the Herefordshire, we trade. I thought, well, I'm going to have to do him a lot. Yes. I'm going to have to keep that one up. It's going to have to be consistent. Yeah. It's no good in hour two nailing him, and by hour five, he sounds like a different bloke. Huh? No. No, so exactly. I decided, I'll just do him as me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because I can yeah. do, I can always I can consistently always do me without thinking. Yeah. And he's the main guy, he's all the way through the book. And I think the safest thing to do is I'll just do him as my voice. So whenever I'm going, come on, lads, charge or whatever, I just do it as me, like that. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Bring on the charge dogs of war. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Let loose the, the yeah. tugs of war, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that, so that's how I did that. The Scotsman said was was fun. <laughs> The enigmatic English accent. Yeah, he was okay. He's a bit of a. I did him as a kind of a Leslie Phillips character. He's a bit of a. He's a bit of a. He's a bit of a. He was a thief in an earlier life. Yeah, so he's a bit of okay. a, you know, and he likes to punt on the horses and that kind of thing. Yeah. The other two haven't even come up in the prelude yet, so I don't know about them. And neither's Mary, thank goodness, because I'm just terrified of Mary because I'm gonna. I'm just gonna offend so many people. Number eight on the pod 20 is Happy Place from Fern Cotton. Great guest the other week, she had Ricky Gervais. Number seven, WTF with Mark Maron. The American comedian has deep chats with celebrity guests. Number six, telling everybody everything. Catherine Ryan, yeah, the Canadian comedian. She tells you everything. She talks directly to you. It's fascinating. 
Just before we get into the top five, let's zoom back to my special guests, Connie Hook and Liz Owens. New podcast is called Thinking Out Loud. How did you two get together? Well, we've always, like, so we've been friends ever since we both had youngsters and we've always just got on and had a laugh and have always thought it'd be fun to do something together. And I guess this was it, right, Liz? Yeah, I mean, we, we've sort of messed around writing things, recording things for ages, haven't we? We're always sort of, yeah, messing about with stuff and it just felt like, oh, this could be it. Yeah. Well, tell me about the new podcast then. What happens? How does it work? What, what goes on? Well, basically, me and Liz love nattering and um, we're always sort of discussing things. We can get into the surreal, always asking questions. We're quite inquisitive people. We both have kids that are also very inquisitive. And so basically, each week we speak to an expert, but sort of asking questions on a topic that might be obvious, but some that might not be. Would you say that's right, Liz? Yeah, I think so. And sort of from coming from different angles as well, because Connie obviously went to Cambridge, she's a bright cookie, and I'm, you know, less so. <laughs> You're very bright. <laughs> so what kind of stuff have you covered? We've done the brain, we've done drugs, we've done tech. What else have we done? Yeah, but the thing about it is, so we have done, say, the brain and drugs, but we'll all sort of, Things like, I don't know, is Coca-Cola a drug as well as like, you know, could drugs be, you know, every aspect of it, like about legalization of different drugs, whether we're going to live in a future where we're all just dependent on different levels of drugs, for mental happiness, you know, all sorts of stuff, including the surreal. And we went on the dark web. Yeah. Really? We went on. What did you find out on there? The dark web stays on the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't even know how you get on the dark web. How did you How did you work out how to get on it? We were exactly the same. We were like, we don't even understand. How do you get on it? Is it just a website? Is there some strange gateway portal that only you can <laughs> in the know? You know, so actually the expert talked us through how to actually get onto the dark web. And then also, like, what happens there compared to the light web, essentially? You know, it's kind of like whole new worlds have been opened up to us. And they used it for good and evil. That's what we didn't realise, did we? We thought it was all bad. Shouldn't you be thrown off the dark web for using its powers for good, not evil? <laughs> we couldn't believe it. And then he's actively saying, right, why don't you go on now? Connie Hook and Liz Owens. I'm Graham Mack. This is the Pod 20 and we're into the top five. And at number five, it's a new entry. Paul McKenna's Positivity Podcast. A half-hour non-journalistic interview programme hosted by Paul McKenna. He interviews some of the world's most interesting people. At number four, the Joe Rogan Experience. Number three, That Peter Crouch Podcast. Number two, Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe's Lockdown Parenting Hell. It's parenting, but not as you know it. And for the third week at number one, Grounded with Louis Theroux. That's it for episode three of the Pod 20 on Podcast Radio. I'm Graham Mack, and thanks to this week's guest podcasters, Connie Hook, Liz Owens, Gavin Esler, Dom Jolly, and Piper Terrett. Next week, it's Charlie Webster, who you've probably seen hosting sports on the telly. She used to be an anchor on Sky Sports. 
She's also posed for FHM, and she's got a new podcast out called Undiscussable. It's a pretty heavy podcast, this. It's about domestic abuse. If you think of it as a, a perpetrator, a perpetrator, it's very, very hard for them to look inside themselves, right, and see the behaviours that they're doing. So, for example, like, you know, my stepdad just blamed everyone else. He blamed my mom. he blamed us, me and my siblings, everybody around what was he blaming you for? Oh, he blamed me for scheming against him since I was a child to try and take my mum away from him. But actually, what tends to happen is it's the reverse thing. So whatever he, that person, perpetrator, is saying, and I used he because of my stepdad, to me or to the victim is because that's what they're doing to themselves. They call it projection, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you made me do it. You made me do it. Or, you know... I mean, gosh, she used to hate me and my mum talking because he felt really jealous. And, you know, if me and my mum spoke, then he wasn't part of it. And he hated that. Well, you had the double whammy, though. You weren't only suffering the the emotional abuse from domestic abuse. You were also sexually abused by a a running coach as well. What happened there? It's no coincidence that I was sexually abused as a teenager because I was groomed. And that's what Again, something we look at sexual abuse maybe as a violent act that happens one-off in a dark alley. Um, that's very, very rare. Uh, 90% of victims trust and know their perpetrator. And my running coach abused me, but he I knew him probably like coming up to three years before he actually physically did anything to me. And in that entire three years, it it was almost like, the best way I can describe it was almost like, you know, we look, we watch documentaries sometimes about cults and, and how the mental manipulation happens and, and brainwashing. That's almost what grooming's like because my coach got so much into my head that when he actually first did something to me, I, I, I was really confused. I didn't understand what it was. How old were you at the time? When he first physically did the act, I think I was around 14 and 15. But he'd been grooming you since you were much, much younger. Yeah, so I started training with him at 12. Right. But he smiled at me, reassured me, looked me in the eye, like I'm looking you in the eye, and smiled while he was doing it like that and told me how this is the best thing for me to help me win races. It's very confusing as a child because if you look at the social cues of my face, if I'm doing that to you and I'm talking to you like this, Graham, you know, you're going to be like, whoa. But if I'm saying things like this to you and smiling, you're going to be kind of like, okay, this is really confusing. Is this person doing something bad to me or are they not doing something bad to me? Because they're actually smiling at me, telling me this is for my own benefit. And also I desperately wanted to win races. You know, I was good. I was representing my county. I was representing, you know, England. And I wanted to be the best because I believed that if I was the best, it was a way of escape. It's a way that I could get out of my situation. But also it'd be a way that I was utterly convinced that then, you know, maybe my stepdad would be nice. Maybe he would love me because then I've proved that I am good enough because I've proved that I'm worth something. And then maybe my mum would pay attention because then she'd be like, oh my gosh, you know. She is worthy because she's winning races, you know. So this is what goes on in a, in a child's head. Yeah. So there was, there was something missing there that you needed to feel validated. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you thought the running and the achieving and the winning would do that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I didn't feel 
good enough as, a, as an individual myself because I was told I wasn't good enough. Charlie Webster, who is my special guest next week on the Pod 20. What's going to happen on the chart next week? Will Louis Theroux be number one for a fourth week? Will lockdown parenting hell knock Louis off the top? Or will it do some social distancing further down the chart? Or will your favourite podcast be number one? You can influence the chart by making a recommendation at thepodcastradio.co.uk. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more.